Welcome to the We Believe Podcast, a discussion program where we try to strike a balance between biblical truth and daily living. I'm your host, Captain Mike Harper from the Salvation Army in Manchester, New Hampshire, and with me in the studio is my friend, the Reverend Warren Tanner. Please bear in mind that the views, comments, statements, and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily represent the official position of the Salvation Army. Hey folks, today's episode has to do with fasting. What if one of the passages from the Old Testament we often use to support the health benefits of fasting has very little or nothing at all to do with fasting from food? Stick around, it's going to get interesting. Hey, Pastor Warren, how are you today? Good, Mike. Once again, good to be here. It's always great to be here with you. Um, so, I'm still working my way through Isaiah. Yep. I've been. It's been a process. Oh, yeah. Um, the the Bible schedule that I use, I read a couple of uh, chapters a day, but I don't read it every day because uh, on the schedule, I... I I go back and forth between an Old Testament reading and a New Testament reading. Yep. So one day I'm in the Old Testament, the next time I'm in the New Testament. And um, so it takes me twice as long. Yeah. But uh, I'm nearing uh, the completion of my journey through Isaiah. Um, this morning I was in chapter 58 and 59, so I'm getting I'm getting there. Yeah. And it has been, I'm, I'm grateful for the journey through the book of Isaiah, but um, I have to say the first 36 chapters were tough. tough. Yeah, they were tough. Um, boy, just to hear, and, I, and 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 God had had plenty of reason to want to judge Israel for all of their idolatry, uh, especially in the face of all that He had done for them. Um, but uh, it sure was nice to finally get uh, to chapter 36, 37, where it started to light lighten up a little bit. And God started to introduce hope again yeah. for reestablishment. That hey, it's not over. You blew it. And you blew it big time. But I'm going to bring you back. Well, and I try to at times when I'm going through that to think, okay, what would a, an Israelite or a Jewish person be thinking, hearing this from Isaiah? Because there are his pronunciation of woes on other countries, right? Yeah. Throughout that. Yes. And so, so for the, that average common Israelite who thinks they're the favorite of God being mixed in also with judgment with these other nations as well I'd be sitting if I'm remembering because you know but I think I'm correcting this how I've, I've kind of repackaged it in my own head as I read it's like wow oh yeah give it to those nations God well wait a minute you're doing this it's going to happen to us too and that had to be a real slap in their face to realize See, I think God's people have sometimes the hardest time acknowledging that at times, though we are saved and washed in the blood of Jesus, we don't always wear the best clothes right. ourselves, and God right. has to take us to the woodshed. And so, yeah, well, we want to, yeah, you get those Moabites, God. Wait a minute, <laughs> you're not supposed to get me too. Yeah, well, it would have been quite an indignation because God raised up the Assyrians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and made them a ruthless military yeah, power yeah. in order 
to use them to punish Israel. Yeah, yeah. And then when he was done with using the Assyrians to punish Israel, he was going to go back and deal with the Assyrians yeah. for their own stuff. Yeah. And so uh, for the Jews to think this hideous nation you're using in judgment against oh, yeah, us yeah. would have been would have been really tough to take. God has to humble his people. It just has to yeah. happen, and he does it one way or the <coughs> other, whether it's talking through an ass to, you know, Balaam, right. or an, uh, <coughs> the Assyrian, you know, guy that's going to just come down and ring your bell. Right, right. So, uh, fortunately, in, in where I'm at in Isaiah chapter 58 and 59, we're, we're past some of that. Although, uh, now it seems like um, God is turning up the heat uh, he's not really talking about judgment so much anymore, but he's turning up still on the, the turning up the heat on their behavior, mm. especially their behavior in relation to him. Mm. Um, they're still they're still uh, idolatrous, and uh, so in in fifty eight here we have a, the passage. Uh, we'll be looking at verses uh, one through. One through nine, and uh, this is the uh, one of the great passages often brought up in support of fasting. Mm -hmm. All right, so get your head around the fact the fat guy wants to talk about fasting today. So, um, well, I'm the skinny guy, and I don't want to <laughs> talk about it either. <laughs> um, but we often use this passage to. Uh, so, anyways, I love it when I read the Bible. For myself, mm -hmm. and I believe in the presence of the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, in a moment, God undoes everything that years and years of reading, preaching, uh, yeah. uh, listening to others has has have done and built up. Yeah. Um, so much that I have to. Uh, I. I guess it's a glad thing to be brought to the point where I have to reinterpret what's he really talking about mm -hmm. here. Yeah. And so I had one of those one of those times this morning in my Bible reading. So uh, if you don't mind, I'd like to go ahead and just read this passage. Yep. It'll be like nine verses, yep. and uh, then then I'll just kind of share my thoughts and we'll talk about it and see where we go. Okay, so this is Isaiah chapter fifty-eight, starting at verse one. Cry aloud, spare not. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Tell my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Yet they seek me daily and delight to know my ways as a nation that did righteousness and did not forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask of me the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? In fact, in the day of your fast you find pleasure, and you exploit all your laborers. Indeed, you fast for strife and debate, and to strike with the fist of wickedness. You will not fast as you do this day, to make your voice heard on high. Is it a fast that I have chosen, a day for a man to afflict his soul? Is it to bow down his head like a bulrush, and to spread out sackcloth and ashes? Would you call this a fast, an acceptable day to the Lord? Is this not the fast that I have chosen, 
to loose the bonds of wickedness, to undo the heavy burdens, to let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke? Is it not to share your bread with the hungry, and that you bring to your house the poor who are cast out, when you see the naked that you cover him, and not hide yourself from your own flesh? Then your light shall break forth like the morning, your healing shall spring forth speedily, and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard. Then you shall call, and the Lord will answer. You shall cry, and he will say, Here I am. Reading that, I actually had the question whether God's talking about a fast from food at all here. Mm -hmm. I mean, this... I don't know about you, but I have heard this for years propped up as a verse that supports fasting mm-hmm. and the benefits of fasting. It says, oh, your light will break forth as the morning. Your complexion <laughs> will clear up. Yeah. You know, it'll be, uh, you'll just be wonderful. Fasting, you need to fast for health purposes. Well, they most time take the whole passage out of context. It's sure, you can lift it out and make it say whatever, but if you put it in there, it's not, <laughs> it's not that. It's not really. And 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 he and he begins the passage before he even gets to the fasting part with with still an indictment against his people. You know, you lift up your voice like a trumpet. Uh, well, lift up your voice like a trumpet. He's telling Isaiah, and tell my people their transgression, and tell the house of Jacob their sins. So here's what they were sinful of: they seek God daily, they delight to know His ways. Like a nation that did righteousness and didn't forsake the ordinance of their God. They ask me for the ordinances of justice. They take delight in approaching God. You know, but the implication is this is what they're doing on the outside, but they're not doing it on the inside. Right. You know, and then they say, why have we fasted and you haven't seen? Why have we afflicted our souls and you take no notice? And this is where God finally, I think, says... Okay, enough's enough. (laughs) When did I ever tell you to fast and afflict your soul? Whoever put that into your head that that's what fasting's all about in the first place? Or that they thought because they were doing that, that God would really give, be happy and pleased and give them some special dispensation or grace to remain how they are. You know, maybe Mm. a twisting the of the arm, God's arm. I mean, I think at times we do the same thing, you know, right. we kind of make these bargains with God and, and, and really in the process, God's not getting a whole lot and we're just kind of scooting on by. You know, I, I, I just wonder if, you know, part of that is, is a little bit of t- twisting God's arm. Say, hey God, look, this is all the good stuff that we're doing. You know, whether it's fasting or not, still underlying that, which I'm only thinking because of the way you've brought it out so far is, yeah, no, you're not going to twist my arm, sorry. You can do all the good stuff you want, but that's not, it. it's where you're going with this, the heart. Yeah, it's the heart. And that's what, you know, Israel's going to church. Yeah. They're reading the Bible. Yeah. They're going to prayer meeting. They're doing all these things, but there's still something that God is trying to put his finger on yeah. that they're unwilling to deal with yes. in their character, <laughs> which is their idolatry. Yeah. And so how, how often do we as Christians, uh, especially when we know there's something deep in the recesses of our heart 
that God has been dealing us with us with, and we always shut down the conversation. Yeah. And so what do we do in response? We step up our church attendance, yeah. step up our wow, Bible reading, start trying to procure the favor of the Lord through other means yeah. than the way he is wanting to get right to the nub yes. of the matter with us. Well, it's like the guy in the New Testament. I fast, was it three times a day? I give tithes of all that I possess. Look, God, yeah. how righteous I am. There's this poor other schmuck over there beating himself on the chest and saying, God, I'm not worthy at all. And, and Jesus says, that's the guy that goes away justified, not this other self-righteous guy that's doing everything just like they're doing in, yeah. in, in Isaiah's time. And I can see, God, who told you to afflict your soul? Who said that's what fasting's yeah. for? Yeah. You know, who told you to come to church three times a week yeah. when what I want to deal with in your heart is your right idolatry. Now, that's right. That's right. And so, um, so as 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 I read further through this passage, and and God starts to describe. He said, "Okay, you want to talk about fasting? Okay, let, let me tell you what a fast is really all about." And, and and to be honest, I don't think he's talking about a fast of food here, a fast from food, as we often liken this passage to. Hey, God's goals or aims with a fast are much more broad and greater. And they could lead to that sort of affliction of not wanting food because you're so burdened and, and right. broken. And, 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 you know, like Jesus was 40 days and 40 nights in the wilderness without any food, you know. So, but the point being, you, you don't get to that point. It's only superficial and it's rote. If you're not coming with everything I think you're trying to import yeah. beneath it. The kind of fast that I believe God is talking about here, fasting from food might be a byproduct of the process. Mm -hmm. But if you're just fasting from food to begin with, thinking all this other stuff's going to happen as a result, you're putting the cart before the well, horse. Well, like the modern day of atonement, you know, in the Jewish world. You know, it comes once a year and they afflict themselves and, you know, to pay for all their sins and get a clean slate and all that. Look, huh? you know, God, look what we've done. Well, it's the same thing. No, you're missing the point, Isaiah says. Missing the point. And so what is this fast that God's talking about? I think that God is talking more about a fast from our own selfish living. Yeah. yeah. Uh, a fast from living inwardly to living outwardly oh, yeah. towards our neighbor. Mm -hmm. um, he says, okay, so is this not the fast I've chosen? So we're going to talk about fasting. Here's, here's what I say a fast is for. To loose the bonds of wickedness and to undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free and to break every yoke. Stop right there. The purpose of a fast... Mm. How do, you, how do you loose the bonds of wickedness other than just praying? Yeah. Praying, uh, interce interceding for our world around us. So in in a true fast, there has to seem there has to be a lot of prayer going on. Yeah. A lot of prayer. To undo the heavy burdens and to let the oppressed go free. There's a lot of injustice in this world in our communities, sometimes in our families. Mm -hmm. We have to really pray and that, and that God would break every yoke. Then next he says, is it not to share your bread with the hungry? Now this, this stuck out to me because yeah. again, talking about fasting in the frame of mind that I've always 
contextualized fasting, which means no food, uh, and God saying, "Hey, share your bread with the hungry." Well, and I, you know, because we talked a little bit ahead of time. When you said that, I was like, "Wow, I never saw that." And I thought that was an excellent, <laughs> an excellent insight. Yeah. So, I mean, how, how can he be talking about a fast from food here? Um, I don't think he's saying, uh, "Don't you eat, but go ahead and put on a meal for everyone around you in your community," mm. you know. But he's saying, "Share your bread with the hungry." You know, especially when it comes to food. Food is a very intimate, personal thing with most people. And we we like to stockpile it up, right? We gain a sense of security from that. As a matter of fact, in the nonprofit world uh, where the Salvation Army lives, we, we describe people experiencing hunger as experiencing food insecurity. Mm. You know, that's the term that's used and bandied about. So share your bread with the hungry and bring to your house the poor who are cast out yeah, let, let me can I insert here yeah so don't lose your thought but this yeah. is coming on so what I'm seeing through this just in in, in in the platform you're presenting it which I think is pretty exciting um, what God is saying you folks need to do is very humbling they really have to humble themselves to do what God is saying versus and you and I know fasting can be a thing of pride mm. and that's why we're told to not tell anybody Jesus says you know you're gonna fast you don't go around and and, and he just announce it yeah. announce it and he blows apart the Pharisees because of their ostentatiousness because they were so proud of all this stuff and I've experienced and you probably experienced in the Christian world and, and as long as we've been saved there's a level of pride to a, when, if not done from the right platform, which is where you're going for of a humility, it can become. A, it, you eventually tell somebody that you fasted. Yeah, and you enjoy telling. Them. And you enjoy telling people. <laughs> you know, oh, what, I fast every Wednesday, and uh, yeah, and so. Know. But the thing here with what God is doing, I think, is saying no. You, it's a he, what He's telling them to do is a very humbling, humbling thing to do, especially if you're affluent well off, you live in a nice house, you, you're going to have to get down and, and you start to hit on it, get down with the down and dirty here with these folks. Yeah, yeah. It, it, it reminds me this, uh, you know, during this fast of sharing your bread with the hungry, you bring to your house the poor who are cast out when you see the naked that you cover them and don't hide yourself from your own flesh, meaning your neighbor. Yeah. Um, then your light will break forth like the morning. Yeah. Yesterday, I was reading on Facebook, I think uh, in the Salvation Army in Manhattan, there's a, a large corps there called Manhattan Citadel. And they participated over the weekend with another ministry, uh, and they called it hashtag don't just walk by, hmm. where they, were, they took to the streets in Manhattan. And when they would encounter a person suffering on the streets, they weren't going to walk by. Hmm. They were going to stop. They had they had food with them. They had blankets. They had prayer opportunities. They had things with them. Yep. Uh, they were equipped to be able to provide help in some material way, mm -hmm. as well as offer spiritual comfort. Yep. And uh, I was convicted by reading that. You know, don't walk by. Mm -hmm. Don't walk by. And how often do we walk by? <laughs> Uh, yeah. 
well, that person deserves what they got. They're lazy. That person, uh, that person's a druggie, yeah. alcoholic. I just saw that guy begging at Seven Eleven. He's making millions. <laughs> um, meanwhile, he's sitting there on the sidewalk with delirium tremens, shaking. Mm-hmm. Probably has open wounds on his feet that we don't see through the torn sneakers and is suffering and in deep misery. Mm-hmm. And my God tells me whether someone deserves it or not, not to walk by a person in deep misery. Mm-hmm. And he says, then, then your light shall break forth like the morning and your healing shall spring forth speedily and your righteousness shall go before you. The glory of the Lord shall be your rear guard and you shall call, and the Lord will answer. Uh, I think this fast that he's talking about is just a fast from living our selfish lives. And I don't know if we can ever reach a point where we don't, where we have no selfishness left in us. Well, you know, it goes on here <coughs> uh, in the middle of verse 9, and, and thou shalt cry, and he shall say, Here I am. If thou take <coughs> away... From the midst of thee, the yoke, the putting forth of the finger, perhaps (coughs) that could be like pointing a finger, and speak in vanity. And if thou draw out thy soul to the hungry and satisfy the afflicted soul, then shall thy light rise in obscurity and thy darkness be as a noonday. And the Lord shall guide thee continually and Mm. satisfy thy soul in drought and make fat thy bones and thou shalt be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters fail not and you know so it goes on building on this how you know God will bless if we'll just get beyond ourselves and you know I'm thinking here um, in our community there's when it comes to the people in our community who for whatever reason, whether it's self-inflicted or through circumstances that come upon them, people who are experiencing homelessness and um, and addiction mm-hmm. and mental illness that are out on the streets, um, the, this community is changing in the mindset and the way they deal with people like that. And there is more grace that I'm seeing mm-hmm. in the community. But when we got here four years ago, it was it was a lot this was a hard city um they had a very backward kind of attitude towards people like this and um i see that changing and i thank god but i'm i'm just thinking it strikes me as you were reading this extra part that i hadn't even thought to 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 share whether you believe that the people that are homeless deserve it or not or they're just lazy or whatever Set that aside. But if you were just to reach out and try to uh, take away the yoke from in the midst of our community and to stop pointing the finger and to extend our soul to the hungry, all of these things, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought. So it's like, even if you can't wrap your head around why someone's homeless homeless, or whether they deserve your help or not, couldn't you at least get on board with wanting God to be there for you 
But also, if you get to that point, and true, it, but what struck me, and I wasn't going to say, but because I didn't know you were going to go on, but he talks about how um, in your drought, you know, whatever you just read there, yeah, that just because you do those things, God, it doesn't mean God is going to take away your dry times, or you won't have drought, or you won't go without, right. which I think is interesting, you know, because he says a lot of good things, but if there's a drought. Well, then you're being affected. And my mind always says, well, God, you know, why am I even going to have to experience a drought? You just said all these good things. But God kind of brings it back to the reality of you, you don't serve. And this is kind of, I don't want to say I struggle with, but that's not the right way. But I have to remember, we don't serve God necessarily for what we get. We are supposed to serve God and give and not count the cost and realize it will count the cost. However, wherever we are in our service for God in and not to be blindsided when difficult times come in the midst of it because it's through this cycle of, all right, get your act together. Oh, good, you're doing what you're supposed to. Great. Oh, you look, you're being blessed. All of a sudden, then he says, but I don't want you to forget, so here's some more drought to keep you grounded where you need to be. And God constantly puts us in these cycles so that we realize we are not... God so that we can get, although he will, but we're God so that he can use us to do what he wants with. And Jesus said right off the bat, it's going to cost you something. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He he says, and he will satisfy your soul in drought. It doesn't mm. say I'll take you out of the drought. Right. It doesn't say the drought won't come. Yeah. But in that drought, I will satisfy your soul. Yeah. And you will be like a watered garden, like a spring of water whose waters don't yeah. fail. Yeah. And that's got to be spiritual because your experience is still a drought. But just because you're going through difficult times doesn't mean you need to dry up on the inside either. Right. Which I tend to do. You know, I kind of wham, 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 point the, point the finger. And, and then I have to remember my own stuff, you know, preaching. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, come on, Warren. Yes, yeah, great behind the pulpit preaching all this wonderful, great stuff. Because it just happened this, you know, this last time I preached on Enter Satan. And I'm telling you, yesterday was like, I've not been afflicted like I hadn't been afflicted in a long time, you know. And it's like, well, yeah, you know, I'm preaching about this guy and I'm warning us all. And it's like, come on, God. I've just been beat half to death here. But that's how God, it's, to me anyway, it's cyclical with God. Okay, wake up. Come on. You need, here's the condition you're in. Okay, good. You see, I'm blessing. Okay, you're doing great now. Uh-oh. Okay, now, wait a minute. i got to get your attention again. And it's cyclical. I mean, you read, if you read Israel, they're constantly through this cycle. Good yeah. king, bad king. They get right. They cry out to God. They go back to idolatry. But we're no different as believers in Christ. Right. right. My, my four-year-old granddaughter, Ruby, you know, we've, we, limit, we limit the amount of candy she gets to the weekends. She's not allowed to have candy during the week. Because if you had candy all the time, one, it's very unhealthy, and two, it's no longer a treat. Right, it's not special. And so if you're always up on the mountaintop, after a while it ceases to be a mountaintop. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's good of God to bring us down into the valley and, mm -hmm. and to make it so that the valley is where we live most of our lives because yeah. that is reality. Yeah. Um, God is much more concerned with keeping us in the valley and grounded to reality, life as it really is, than to allow us to live on the mountaintop all the time. Yeah, it doesn't work that way. And, uh, I want to say something before we come to an end. Yeah. What always strikes me is verse 1, the beginning to this. This is what God wants Isaiah to do. 
cry aloud. Now, I don't know, and I didn't do any looking in this, but sometimes this word cry is the word shriek, like a, the shrieking oh. of a bird. I don't know if that's the case in this yeah. word. But cry aloud. So, you know, he's not... I, where I'm going with this is we need to get back to at times where we have preachers that can just shell the corn when they have to, not necessarily be prim and proper and be sure we don't offend anybody. Because God doesn't seem to be concerned with this. Mm-hmm. So he's basically saying, Isaiah, you're going to have to kind of toughen up a little bit here. you got to go out there, and you're going to have to just be very loud and vocal and get their attention. So you need to cry aloud. Don't hold back. You're a preacher. I'm a preacher. We've held back, right? We yeah. know when we're holding back. It's like, oh, no, I don't want to say this hard thing. And it might be hurtful to that person. Plus, oh, what's the fallout going to be for me? Well, you know, and, and Isaiah struggled with some of this stuff, you right. know, having to say this and be this way. And Jeremiah did too. Yeah. And so cry aloud, shriek, get it out there. Don't hold back. Lift up your voice like a trumpet. Mm. You know, a trumpet's a loud thing. And show my people, not the unsaved world out there. I'm not telling you to deal with these people out there yet. Show my people their transgression and the house of Jacob their sins. Mm. We we have to that has to be the starting point and and we somehow think just like these people but god look at all this we got this good church you know i'm i have a nice job i have a wonderful family you know i'm going to church all the time i'm giving them my money look we got this five million dollar complex and you're blessing and everything is in and these people were that mike these people were that and god's saying no you've got the cart before the horse you got it bass backwards no you have to get my people's attention first and it goes back to second chronicles if my people which are called by my name shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and the rest of it then will i hear from heaven and forgive their sins and heal their land yeah and so when i read this stuff yes great preaching and and you know and 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 uh, you know, it's, it's, but I get, be, I'm taken to the woodshed, is I guess mm-hmm. what I'm trying to say. You know, I, I go to the woodshed first. Yep. And then it's our job to take our people to the woodshed. You know, not all the time, but there, if it's like this, and it's our job as the shepherds to kind of monitor the flock, just like Paul did, there comes a time when you have to not right. be nice. Especially when the people that you're responsible to be the spiritual shepherd over are living inauthentic yes. lives Good word. Yes. Um, in regards to their faith. Yeah. Um, God is much more concerned with the help of our intimate relationship with Him. Yes. That, that, that extremely close one-on-one relationship. He's not impressed with all of the outward things that we do. And we do all these outward things and wonder, why isn't God helping me? He's helping you, he's helping you, but uh, my life's a mess and I'm coming to church and thinking, okay, I'm gonna give this Christianity a go and uh, my life's still a mess, God's not helping me. It's like, okay, you still don't understand it. You don't understand the very basics of what this is all about. This is all about you placing yourself willfully under the ownership Mm. of your creator. (laughs) Yeah, that's what this is all about. Yes. Everything else is window dressing. Yeah, church, pews, yeah. music, worship band, 
It's all window dressing. God wants you. Yeah. Well, that's and why he, he calls us me. a peculiar people in the King James. But that peculiar, if you look it up in, in what it means, it's not strange. In that day, peculiar is, is uh, chosen for a specific possession of ownership. Oh. Yeah, pe that word peculiar means ownership or to be to be possessed by an owner, which is what you say, under the authority of God. Yeah. And so when he says we're a peculiar people, well, and it's translated differently, which it's it's nowadays, which is which is almost sad because we don't know the roots and sometimes the etymology of our own English language. And right. so when it says you're a peculiar people, we always feel like we have to dumb it down. I can remember telling Luke about this. I said, Luke, no, the word peculiar is more about God's ownership over us and we're not our own. Mm. That's what it means to be peculiar people. Yeah, yeah. That is, uh, that is the whole um, focus here. Yeah. In Isaiah. No, I'm glad you, you hit on this because, you know, we tend to sometimes, I was thinking, we tend to, if we're not careful, believe our own stuff. Right. Right. You know, they're believing their own stuff is the problem. Hey, you know, they're measuring themselves by themselves. And Paul says that's never wise. Don't measure yourselves by yourselves. Right. Hey, God, we're checking the boxes here. Uh, putting the check marks in, in the boxes. Yeah. Why aren't you delivering? And the job, we're, one, the job of the preacher is to, to be able to be authentic enough with himself before God that he can recognize inauthenticity. Mm -hmm. But it's also the fact of every believer has a responsibility that iron sharpens iron. And that, that's why even James says, confess your faults one to another. It's not so that you have a pity party or just divulge everything. It's so that you can be built up and strengthened and healed and you heal one another throughout this whole process. And so every once in a while when we start believing our own stuff, God just knows how to just take us out at the knees. Yeah. And this is why he sent Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel and even Daniel, Hosea, these minor prophets that just ripped their, Joel just rips them a new one. You know, we cannot believe our own press clippings about yeah. ourselves that we create in our head or even what other people say. You know, that, I was telling you this morning about that message I preached in that other church about yeah. John the Baptist. And uh, I might have said this before on this, I don't know, but I, it, it humbles me so much to this day, because that was in, I don't know, well, Daniel wasn't even born yet. We just had Coin Luke. But I preached this message, and everybody said, and this lady, our age, probably just a little bit, you know, in, a, in, in their 30s somewhere, and they have kids that are just, a little, you know, a little bit older. She says to Judy, oh, it must be wonderful to live with your husband. <laughs> And Judy and I just at that moment looked at each other and just smiled that inner snicker to ourselves. No, 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 no. It's tempting to want to believe what she thinks about me. Right. And and I think sometimes a haughty spirit goes before a fall and you start to. But if one, if you have a good marriage relationship and that wife of yours is standing right there and she's gonna take you home and say, Hey Warren, don't <laughs> don't you know, you and I both know you ain't yeah. that guy behind the pulpit all the time. Right. And so God takes us to the woodshed and I think this is what Isaiah is doing and why, you know, God had to raise him up. And at times Isaiah, I think, balked against it because he didn't, you know, here am I send me, that's great. But then now this is what you're gonna do, Isaiah. Yeah, you're gonna get me killed, God. <laughs> yeah. Um, all right. Well, you know what? I'm I'm really, I I am relieved that at least in this context, in this passage, fasting isn't about giving up food because yeah. um, my at finance least as, the under, not as the underlying principle. Right. My finance manager actually brought me a bowl of chili for lunch today <laughs> from home. 
And uh, so I'm looking forward to that. So what do I have to do instead? Well, I have to fast from ownership of myself. I have to fast from being selfish. Well, let's bring this down to real simple stuff. Part of that fasting is the commitment to get up, to force yourself, to have some time with God. And that's, yeah. you know, it all starts with a denial of self. Man should not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And so, you know, this, if we can bring it down to the simple, you know, how do I deny myself? Get up early. Go to bed early, like George Mueller did. Yeah. You know, th this is part of submitting to his ownership under us. Jesus said, you're not going to survive without spiritual nourishment. Right. But yet we just merely go on and do our own thing. So I, I know I've been interrupting you, but no, but that's that's but true. that's true. You know, if we're going to submit to His ownership, how does that start? What does that mean? You know, I don't want to leave this nebulous. It's it's as simple as where we all stumble, meeting with God to get spiritual nourishment on a regular, committed, daily basis. Right. And while you're meeting with God, do something. Do something to try to alleviate the suffering and injustice around you. Yeah. Don't wait till you go on a mission trip to Honduras, yeah, yeah. okay? Uh, all you have to do is me. open up your door and go outside and look around you. There's plenty of injustice. It's rampant in our society right now. Yeah. People are suffering. And do something to help somebody. Well, and I wonder too, Mike, if some of the sinfulness that we're seeing, not just in the realm of homelessness and all that, but just the open sinfulness is 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 systemic from the the same sort of thing where it's it's an outcry of people trying to find somebody authentic that can okay um, identify with the suffering of the homeless, but also maybe also identify with the suffering of the sinful, the healthy sinful, not down on his luck, and I think both sides of that. Are, yeah. are equally in need of compassion. You're right. And I wonder if sometimes this blatant sinfulness is just like that rebellious child just going to the umph degree and hoping that somebody will care enough to give of themselves to reach me with what I need spiritual. So, you know, mm -hmm. they're not hungry and, and suffering from the side that you see all the time, right. but I see more the suffering of the sinful sickness and to not walk by that, yeah. but to say, hey, you need help, just like the homeless guy. You need help in your far condition from God, right. homelessness. Reminds me of that old hymn, There is a Balm in Gilead mm. for the Sin-Sick Soul. <laughs> yes, yes. You know? Yep. So, all right, well, this, is, this yeah. has been enlightening. Awesome. No, I'm glad you... As usual. You know, I'm glad you... Yeah, well, we learn, you know. Yes. Like, we, we don't... We don't plan a much, well. You put more into it than I do. I just show up, and but I think it, I think what's fun is I've come away from this refreshed and grown and beat half to death and healed. Amen. Amen. And that's that's what our relationship is all about. Yeah. Heal. Your healing. Then your healing shall shall come forth yes. speedily. Amen. Lord, heal us. Yep. Bye. Hey. See you later. See you. Well, friends, thanks for tuning in. That's going to do it for this episode of the We Believe Podcast. Um, listen, God is less interested in your service than he is in the heart 
out of which that service springs. He wants our hearts, friends. Remember, you are loved more than you'll ever know. Until next time, we believe. <laughs>